Friends, welcome to the Ransom Heart Podcast here in October. Happy autumn to you all. John Eldridge here in the studio with some of my friends. Blaine, Alex, Sam here to share some stories with you. But before we get there and before you hear why I invited these guys in, I've been starting the podcast with a statement of faith almost, a, a creedal proposition, and it goes like this, that this is a very brutal time to be human. Hmm. This is a ruthless time on our humanity, and God cares very much about your humanity, that wholeheartedness and maturity are not an option. And we just don't, don't want to tiptoe around those issues. We, we don't want to pretend like you can skate. You can't skate. And so we're trying to shoot straight in the things that we do, and we do want to talk about mature living. And so there it is. It's a brutal time to be a human being. God cares very much about your humanity, but wholeheartedness and maturity are actually not optional if you would flourish, if you would do more than just survive. And the three of you have actually not been in the studio when I have started a podcast with that because no. I only began it about a month ago. React to it. Like, what? Dang it. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Uh, I can't skate by? Come on. Yeah. Initial reaction. Somewhat that. Yeah. Um, but, but no, you're right. You're right. Like, it is. It causes me to take a little bit of, of inventory of where I'm at and uh, am I paying attention mm. to my soul and am I paying attention to my wholeheartedness? Yeah. Um, in some ways I am and in some ways I'm, you know, there is a, a bit of, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to skate by in some respects if I'm being truthful and honest. We want you to be. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, I'm, I'm aware that it's hard to interact in an arena that doesn't feel like it's tapping into empathy. Like I just, where, where are the low stakes things? It feels like I come home and it's high stakes. I interact with friends and the level right. of trauma, the level of need is high stakes. I go to church on Sunday and it's high stakes. Like there just isn't, maybe, maybe it's like my empathy is just dialed all the way up to 10. That's probably the case having a one-year-old and a two-year-old but I'm also aware that like everywhere feels very dramatic and very high stakes. And I just, I almost find myself like wanting to, to get to the areas that aren't. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Where's the fun zone? Yes. <laughs> or just even like, where's the lower volume yeah, zone? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I just think uh, if that were true, that would be a very important thing to understand. And... I'm aware that the world has a narrative that runs counter to that reality. If you intersect with the humanist secular space at all, there is a story out there, I think best encapsulated in a psychologist, Steven Pinker, that goes, actually, these are wonderful times to be alive. Violence is lower than it's ever been to human bodies. The humanist project is working. There's a Starbucks on every corner. And... <laughs> What you can miss in that is, one, 
how utterly devastating the banality of that is to human beings. I think of the screw tape letters where the elder demon tells the younger, war is not our friend. Uh, War clarifies things to people in a way that it would be better for the kingdom of darkness if every person died in a hospital. Uh, But when they're running the constant risk of being killed by bombs, it will clarify things to them in a way that's unhelpful to us. And just to go, these are absolutely devastating times to the human soul in the way that Sam was saying. Like, our environment is just designed to crush your being in the stories you hear, the media you're exposed to, the things that are normal in relationship, the things that are normal in work, and go... You, I, I have a really hard time remembering yes. that it's devastating. Yes, exactly. Because it can kind of seem fluffy. Exactly. But yeah. when I forget it, you know, I, I forget maturity. Well, and we've, we don't desire it then, right? Mm. Because it is, I mean, you know, Alex, to your thing, really? <laughs> <laughs> that, like, we just have to be kind and admit that's human nature. Yes. We all have that guy or gal in us. We all have right. that going on inside, right? Yep. Um. And, and you do need smelling salts. You do, you do need, like, the wake-up call. You do need the sound of the siren once in a while. And Because part of it is the trauma, and part of it is the banality. Part of it is just the suffocating nature of just live on your phone, right? We are spending four hours a day on our mobile devices, 10 hours a day consuming some kind of media. Like, like it, that, just suffocate you. Just, just drain you away. and. Now I can introduce the podcast. So here's where, here's where we're going this week, gang, is I invited Sam and Alex and Blaine in um, because we are all freshly back, 24 hours or so back from the field. September in Colorado is archery season for elk and deer and other mammals. But we had all been out elk hunting with stick and string. Um, <laughs> And this isn't going to be a hunting podcast uh, that will disappoint uh, apparently 4% of you, uh, but <laughs> only 4% of people in the United States are hunters. And so something a little broader, something that applies to all of our listening audience, our questions, I, I want to share some stories of what just took place out there in nature, in trial, testing, comfort, adventure, all these things, and say, what is it about that that you found nourishing? Because I think there are some secrets to wholeheartedness that we are learning out there, for better or for worse, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> By trial and error, that I want to get to. Like it's almost like secrets of wholeheartedness discovered through bow hunting, really smart critters. So fresh back from the field, how was it? Okay, so I'll, I'll kick us off. Um, I I went out 24 hours ahead of you guys to have some time just by myself in the woods and in the cabin. And it was actually set in a week for me that was dedicated, soul care, slow down, didn't come into work. First week that you've done that since? A uh, long time. Okay, just wanted to put that in its proper context. Yeah. More than a year? I I can't think of another time I've done this. Yeah, so more than five years. I'd say probably first in 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. And I I've, I found myself doing like this little miniature arc, right? So uh, I'm in the car, I'm heading west, 
I've got an audiobook playing. I'm alone. I'm smoking a cigar. And I'm at like this beginning. I'm great. Like this is an amazing four hours I got to spend in the car. And then I get there and I'm I'm actually struck by how uncomfortable being alone in the woods is. Hey, well, like it wasn't this smooth transition into, and now I've got all these, like, got this clarity, got this soul care, got this vision for a book. God told me all these wonderful things, came back in my journal filled. I like sat in the woods for a little while and it, it probably took about five minutes before I realized this is uncomfortable. Hmm. And I was surprised. I don't know why, but I was surprised by how quickly that happened and how that was one of the first things where I'm like, oh, I am not used to this. Even though I'm aware on a daily, weekly basis that I need to be outside, going on walks, like needing this whole environment and pace for my heart, actually doing it in this way was disruptive. Can you say a little more about the disruptive and like what what was uncomfortable at first? Did you notice? Mm. Um, I think there's definitely part of it where the the genuine solitude was disruptive, but I knew the people were coming. And so I think I was able to kind of let, I mean, there wasn't fear. I've definitely experienced that like I'm in the wilderness. There's probably like all of those unnatural fears that crop up convinced there's a mountain lion stalking you. I mean, you guys know. When you go out in the woods a little bit, you just start hearing footsteps behind you. It's That's not entirely unfounded because there were fresh mountain lion tracks on the trail that I was using. Ooh. Right. Yeah, I mean, Susie did ask me not to die. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, sure, babe. <laughs> um, the thing that was disruptive was that silence and genuinely like mm-hmm. just it's stretching out ahead of you and going i am not used to being this still mm-hmm. like every Katy perry song ever started going through my head it was just like i i just turned down the volume a little bit on these other areas and it's un, it's uncomfortable it, it feels like detoxing like i feel like i'm coming off of something doesn't it yeah I am personally shocked at how much I use distraction Yeah, in my normal world. And I thought, I thought I would have characterized these things that I enjoy as hobbies or curiosities or, you know, this podcast and, and I enjoy watching Liverpool soccer and da 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 you know. But you get in the woods, you get into nature, you get anywhere, you get on the ocean, you know, you, you get into a garden, anywhere, and you turn down the volume in your life, and you don't have a cell signal, and can your soul thrive without distraction? Hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, things that I described as pleasures, I now see what I've been doing is simply using them to preoccupy myself. That's such a alarming concept. We talk about being addicted to crisis, the addictive nature of one trauma after another. And part of my transition into hunting, transition into wilderness was, I've got three-year-old daughter, it's the young kids phase, and you know, much of what is difficult is her tiny attention span and constant demands. 
And I'd say what was amazing is, you know, I, I just identify. First, short inventory goes, wow, I am actually kind of reliant on my kids' short attention span to keep the novelty thing going, where I get out there and I don't have a request to read a book every 20 minutes or go outside or take a walk to the park. And it's, no, you have until evening. You have until the sun goes down. That's six hours away. And that suddenly feels like an eternity. That is a shapeless void of space that to try to figure out how to enter it takes usually the first two full days of being in the woods. But aren't you at home when you're engaged with the every 20 minutes of read me another book, daddy? Longing. Oh, I for, just think I just like, think if I could get in the woods. Like, could I just get alone? Oh, for a it would bit? be amazing. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. we get there. Yeah. And it is it is the most uncomfortable yeah. and revealing and wonderful and healing yes. experience. Yes. Like, but, but it's also it's helpful to begin there though, right? So that yeah, like you have to. someone listening doesn't go, well. When I get alone in the woods, I feel really bored and uncomfortable, and I'm not sure what to do with my hands, and I just start, like, throwing things, like little rocks at trees, and I'm doing this wrong. Yeah. The Eldridges, they must get in the woods, and then they just start meditating, and God starts downloading (laughs) things. So that's Instantly back in the garden. I was, like, ready. So I had a rifle, actually, because we've got this private land rifle tag. And so I'm sitting there, boxed in by all of this national forest that I can't go hunt, looking at these cattle that have busted through, going, I am going to shoot one of you. <laughs> you are in my way, blocking my hunt. This is not what this time is for. And I, like, immediately hit with the next thing of, I get past discomfort, and then I hit, like, my agenda, which often is not what God is up to. And I have to, like, my God, I, I love your agenda. I also love that your agenda is my agenda, and my agenda is shooting an elk this weekend. Yeah. Not something else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just so for our non-hunters, let me describe the experience. Um, there's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of packing. There's a lot of planning. There's food and gear and weather reports and maps and all that. And then you get out to the woods and it, it is an experience of moments of absolute intensity interspersed by hours and hours of absolute stillness. Yeah. Uh, Blaine and I, you know, not to jump to one of the, one of the climax stories of, the, of this uh, podcast, but um, to set the stage, we had chased this absolutely remarkable bull elk um, in the morning, and we, we had this encounter with it. It was just phenomenal. It was National Geographic. It was amazing. And, and then the wind shifted. And we had to get off the side of the mountain we were on. Oh, we had to, in an instant, turn and run yeah. the other way. And downhill through all kinds of just nastiness. You know, there's hmm. no trail blasting down through, um, get onto a different hillside so we don't win the elk. So they don't smell you and take off, you know, for New Mexico. Uh, or several counties away, and so then for the for the inner period there, eight and a half hours under a particular tree, waiting for the wind to shift, knowing that sometime in the evening, 
you know, it is going to sw- shift and we can get back to the action and maybe maybe get this elk. And so eight and a half hours, there's these periods of like remarkable beauty, wow, intensity. It's amazing. You feel so alive. And then there's just these really long episodes of mm. doing nothing. And this is what we're talking about. It's, it's those, it's, you know, sitting, looking, glassing, waiting, you know. Oh, yeah, because you're like, I'm going to the woods to go hunting, and you do all the prep that you've described, and you get out in the woods, and you don't see any elk for sometimes a couple of days, right. sometimes a couple of hours. Yeah, Morgan went a week right? Yeah. without seeing a single animal. But it takes me all of 10 minutes without seeing an animal to be convinced there are no animals <laughs> out there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> time to go home. <laughs> like, well, I've totally wasted my time going out here. And it's yeah. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So there is that, like, yeah. that big, yeah. spacious, what are you going to do with the silence and the slowness and what does it evoke? Yeah. And for me, one of the first things was just that it, again, raised that flag of, I am constantly medicating through hobbies or distractions or the next thing or even childcare, like whatever it is. Like it's just, I think I was made a little bit uncomfortable with how uncomfortable I was with the Mm -hmm. the slowness. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting for me heading out on this one. And this is my first year chasing elk with a bow and been learning how to use a bow and and do this and it's it's different i mean i grew up in adventure and climbing and skiing but it's active it's engaging the whole time and so this this is brand new experience for me but the way i actually entered this one was a little rough like some of that started before i even left because i had ended up going kind of last minute needed to get in to do a well check at the doctor mel's been saying you really need to do that you're in your 40s now i'm 43 so three years of you need to go and and uh the one appointment they had was right the day before i'm getting ready to leave so i go in and they're like well you actually need your tetanus updated and you need be a good idea to get a flu shot and so i'm like okay well have at it and and i'm thinking you know should be easy. I can handle a shot. And and the next morning, I went to bed feeling fine. The next morning I wake up and I'm supposed to head out on the hunt. And I've got what feels like the flu. 102 temperature and just body aches all over. And so I've already gone, oh, it's over. Like I texted mm. JD because I was out with JD on this hunt and just said, I think I have the flu, you know, this is what happened. You pray, you ask God if we're supposed to go. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's my favorite kind <laughs> yeah. of request. Would you ask God about this? Yes. Uh, a subtext, because obviously I won't hear, so. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm trying to hear it so hard to hear. And I text another good buddy that's a, a doctor, and he's like, I think you're going to be fine. Like, here's what's happening but it was it was a it was battle to just get out the door. Yes. And what I could feel was just the chaos of life. Like there's so many tentacles to this world and so many things pulling on us and I when you layered on I don't feel good. I really want to get out there and do this. I know it'll be good for me. 
but I don't feel good. And on top of it, we've got an event coming up and I got to leave for that. And I, you know, probably irresponsible to leave work. John's probably going to be pissed because I'm out in the backcountry and we got a boot camp coming up. But, but, uh, so just all that, right? All that layered on. And, uh, and, and so I could, I could feel that like, um, ah, just, just stay and, and, uh, Turn the yeah. TV on. Seek comfort and make sure you're getting stuff done. Yeah. Right. And so— it, Wait, wait. What I love about the excuses thing yeah. is it begins, like, there's—it's <laughs> not just that there's a, one solid, like, reason. Yeah. There's, like, a litany. Like, it just starts there's trickling in, like, and what am I going to even wear? It's yeah. just like, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. That was, like, a waterfall that began with something legitimate and— turn into something comical and should yeah. probably be a red flag. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yet we do this. And and what I what I want to describe because I think I think there are secrets to wholeheartedness somewhere in these stories. So what I want to describe is after pushing through the awkwardness, what why do you do this? What is it that you find out there? That draws you back and 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 takes you through the difficulty and mm-hmm. and how hard it is to get away and the cost of getting away on a family. You know, there's a cost that comes with this. And like, what what did you find out there? Tell me some stories. Because the volume's down on everything else, and once I've played through all of my Katy Perry songs in my head, the volume's down internally as well i find like it, it is easier to to hear from god out there and in ways that he's always speaking and so like the chipmunks begin to be conversation with god like the the ways i do or don't encounter animals begins to be ways that i encounter god and so for me it must have been yes yeah, so it's my first night out there um i've got just a 24 hours solo and I see this herd of elk come through and they're in this spot where I'm not going to totally blow it for you guys as you're going to begin bow hunting for the following day. So I follow this bull and his group of cows down over to um, this fence line and I'm able to bushwhack all the way there and I'm I'm set up. This is going to be A, the easiest harvest ever because these animals are on a road and I can drive a truck up to it. <laughs> like almost an embarrassing level. Like there's some kind of pride in like how hard it is to pack an animal out. Yeah. This is going to be like embarrassingly easy. But I, this I'm is also, the drive through. I kind of like that because I'm by myself, right? <laughs> Literally. Broadside, 200 yards. But because all the volume's quiet, I'm able to just ask as I'm looking at this animal. And I didn't have like the pressure of you have to harvest, you have to like take the first shot you possibly have. I have got this spaciousness and this, I was actually really good. That was one of the things that yeah. was sort of going on. I'm like, oh, I like the panic, get this and go wasn't there. And so I asked the Holy Spirit, like, is this the animal you have for me? And this cow walked over to the one, cow being the female elk, um, to start interacting, one of the ones I was looking at, and they start nuzzling each other their noses are rubbing and they're clearly communicating. And for me, it was just this really quick answer. The Holy Spirit was all over it going, no, 
these are not the ones you were supposed to shoot because there was no way I was going to be shooting a mom and her infant as I'm watching them interact. I'm so sensitive to that dynamic. I, I'm aware that I'm in the woods for soul care and the Holy Spirit is giving me this encounter with these animals that ostensibly I'm out there to be hunting, but actually I'm having this wonderful moment where I'm 200 yards from them and I'm able to hear God in ways that I'm not in town. Like those yeah. things are probably happening all day yes. long, but because all the volume's down yeah. and because I'm in these moments where there's nothing else going on, like this is it, yep. very simple, just what's in front of me. Yeah. Um, so I, I just watched them. Yeah. Watched them for 20, 30 minutes and backed away. And it was a successful evening. The goal mm. wasn't to come back with meat in the freezer that day. Yeah. Um, though I hope to. Yeah. Yeah. Blaine, why do you go? What do you find out there? I would return to the time part and how difficult it is to adjust to sitting underneath a tree for most of the day. And what I think is really helpful is that people have been observing for 200 years that the pace of life inside civilization is not conducive hmm. to the human soul. To, it does not promote the flourishing of the human soul. But that track has been playing for so long, it's kind of easy to ignore and go, yep, ugh, aren't we all stressed? But I'm actually behind anyway because by the time I got up, you know, my neighbor had already mowed their lawn and my friend had already converted someone to Jesus. Like, like I, I'm too fast and yet I'm too slow. And so there's just this, there's a kind of renunciation of, yeah, but what? how could you actually know the speed at which a human soul is meant to live? Like the speed in which you will find life. And I think it's really amazing to go, go outside. It's really easy. Uh, it's hard and it's easy. And to go... It's fascinating. I go to go, what is the speed at which creation actually functions? And you chase elk in this, in the drama of the morning up into the timber, and then you go, okay, yeah, they're not going to come out for 12 hours. Like, they're going to lie there. They're going to they're gonna do nothing. They're being good elk, and so we're going to, you know, get far enough away that we're not going to win them during the day, and we're going to lie here all day and wait for them become active again. And it just has this, wow, these kinds of hunting experiences have actually been the things that have most shaped the things that I don't do. And it was after coming out of the woods on a 10-day hunt that I left social media forever. I just went, oh, I've... Two years ago. Yeah, I, I have enjoyed, I enjoy too much aligning myself with the speed at which a soul is meant to live, to keep doing these other things. And it's just, it's this incredible reminder of, yes, it takes me two whole days to adapt, to to adjust um, to the speed of the wilderness. And you're right, Alex, in the observation, I love it, because I love rock climbing and I love mm -hmm. mountain biking. And those things are thrilling and fast. But when you go to pursue big game animals, there's this submission to the way the wilderness actually works on its own terms. That's yes. like lots of waiting, lots of slowness. Topography. Yeah. Weather. Yeah. Time of day. Natural forces yes. that you are forced to align with 
right? right? Or things aren't going to be joyful. Yeah. And that's ex- that's exactly what was so striking on my hunt for me this this uh, this last few days is you know that whole thing of just the complexity of life and to get out in the woods and realize oh life actually can be very simple you need to eat you need to drink water you need to seek shelter because there's a storm coming yes um and and just that as you're saying blaine that slowing down lets you realize oh my gosh like the the amount of complexity in my suburban world is is overwhelming and so and i can can even feel like the you know uh one of the things i've i've dealt with is anxiety and so high cortisol levels like you can just feel your body letting down and 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 relaxing and and, um and so for me uh being out being out in the woods this time was just relishing some of that opportunity for some simplicity um not having to figure a bunch of Mm. things out Mm. and um and having just the simplicity of okay Mm. um there was one moment where JD and I were uh, went out for an after, afternoon to evening hunt, and and we went and glassed a hillside, and we glassed for an hour, and so just to observe a hillside for an hour, and then I got tired of glassing, and I laid down my pack and I took a nap. Yes, and it was glorious, and the sun was shining on my face, <laughs> and I didn't have to make any decisions. I didn't have to do anything, and and so to like experience some simplicity, right? Yeah, is is really soul healing. Yeah, and uh, and so that that was big for me on this trip. Yeah, and and listeners, th- this actually isn't something that is exclusively reserved to you know bow hunters in the Colorado mountains. The the opportunities for simplicity, moments of stillness, moments of beauty, uh, moments where it is easier to hear from God, moments that, that first do expose all, all of the unrest inside of us, that, that is very available. And, and so this isn't something that only has to be done out there, but the experiences we're describing are so startling and so startlingly different than our normal day that they are revealing. And, and this is a rough time to be a human being. And we are seeking things that lead to wholeheartedness and discovering some of that out in the woods. So I just want to pause the conversation, pause the podcast here this week, and just let you know, what are you doing with that, friends? Like, does this make you mad? Is this frustrating you, this conversation? Is it invoking longing? Is it invoking memory of, oh, yeah, I used to do that. I used to do that. I wonder what happened to that. You know, where, what is this eliciting in you? Because God is in that. And then we'll come back with part two next week with some more really good stuff that we're learning out there. <laughs>